Good evening, church. Let's do this. <laughs> All right. Um, so just to start off, most of you know that uh, welding is a part of my profession. Um, I like to think that it requires some sort of uh, um, fine motor skills, uh, a steady hand, uh, which none of which I will have right now for the next uh, 10 minutes or so. So, <laughs> But uh, luckily, I won't be talking about welding tonight. Uh, I'll be talking about something much more uh, interesting. Um, I'm kind of basing this message around compost. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so very, very interesting, I'm sure, for everyone. Um, but uh, um, I came up with the idea of compost, um, thanks to, to Josh. Uh, I was helping him a couple weekends ago with his compost pile, and uh, for some reason it just came into my mind and said, "You know what? I think I can. I think I can use this." So, <laughs> so if if it all goes south, it's Josh's fault. So that's what I'm getting at here. But uh, so, what is compost <clears throat> and how does it work? Composting is a method for treating solid waste in which organic material is broken down by microorganisms in the presence of oxygen to a point where it can be safely stored, handled, and applied in the environment. And I definitely took that directly from HowStuffWorks.com. So, <laughs> Compost piles consist of organic waste such as newspaper, leaves, grass, woody materials, kitchen waste um, like fruits, vegetables, eggshells, coffee grounds, and corn corn cobs, things like that. Um, it must have a balanced condition to work properly. It requires plenty of air, water, carbon, nitrogen, and small enough particle sizes to help it break down more quickly. And you also need an adequate amount of soil. Um, compost piles require constant upkeep. The piles need to be turned regularly to allow for air, and water needs to be added evenly throughout the pile. Uh, properly working compost pile will reach a temperature of anywhere between 100 degrees and 150 degrees. Uh, the process of decomposition can happen in as little as two to three weeks, and a finished compost uh, can benefit the environment as a natural fertilizer for gardening and farming. Um, so I have a uh, slide up behind me, um, and it shows just a, it's just a chart of how composting works, uh, very, very basic chart. Um, <clears throat> And you'll see organic waste, like I mentioned, newspaper, leaves, grass, uh, and various other things. And you have your soil, water, air, and carbon dioxide and heat. And then you get your finished, finished compost. Um, and so I made a second chart uh, to try and draw a correlation here be between uh, uh, earthly compost and then also the uh, compost, which I'm going to be comparing us all to this evening. Um, and so uh, for the organic waste, uh, I'd, I'd like to kind of relate that to our time, uh, energy, talents, and resources. Uh, soil would be our church services and events uh, and just fellowship with one another. Uh, baptism, or water would be the baptism. Air would be studying God's word and learning. Uh, carbon dioxide and heat, that would be our trials and experiences through life. Uh, and then the finished compost would be a well-balanced Christian life ready to impact the world. Um, so again, just uh, starting back up at the top, uh, organic waste that we can add to our Christian compost piles uh, could include things such as our time and energy and uh, that we are currently dedicating to earthly things. Uh, things that may be taken away from God, uh, but that aren't necessarily bad. Perhaps things that we could flip to use for serving God. We want to convert our time and energy into something that is dedicated to serving our Lord first and foremost. 
for time. Spend enough time in God's word studying and hearing what God is trying to teach us. We could also add to this pile our energy. Are we so burnt out from our worldly pursuits and activities that we don't have enough energy or headspace left to serve our Lord and King how we ought to? Proverbs 16.3 tells us to commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. Each and every one of us have some God-given abilities that we can use to further the kingdom of God. Do we use these talents to glorify him or do we selfishly keep them to ourselves? In Acts 11, we see a prophet by the name of Agabus claim that there was going to be a great famine throughout the world. Verse 29 tells us that the disciples, each according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea. Uh, Maybe some of them might have provided food. Uh, Some could have provided clothes or building materials. Uh, So what about our resources? Are we giving in accordance to how we have been blessed? This doesn't even necessarily have to be tied directly to money. Some of us have been blessed with larger sources of income, but others have been blessed in such ways as extra time or skills or maybe our professions uh, that may allow us to lend a helping hand to the church. These are all parts of our lives that we may currently be wasting in worldly aspects and would be better suited to to be utilized in furthering our Christian walk and growing our outreach in the community. Next up is the soil. The soil that we should be adding to our Christian compost pile is that of our Christian friends and family. Just as a compost pile needs the various organisms that come from the soil to break all the organic waste down, so do we need our fellow Christians in our lives to help encourage us and lift us up. Hebrews 10, 24-25 says, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. It would be so much more difficult to break down the sins that we have been trying to overcome without the love and support of those in our Christian families. The constant drag on on, on us from this world would be almost unbearable if we didn't add enough good Christian soil to our lives. I'm sure that we can all agree that we have had weeks or gone through certain periods of our lives where we just needed that extra love and support from our church family and couldn't wait to be with them at the next available opportunity. We can relate to Paul in 1 Thessalonians 2.17 when he says, Endeavor more eagerly to see your face with great desire. And he was speaking about those at the church of the Thessalonians. Um, Also, every compost pile will also need to have water added to it. Water plays an important role in turning a compost pile into good, usable fertilizer. Without it, there will be no possible way that the certain reactions would be able to take place to complete the transformation. Just as we all need to realize the importance of being baptized as individuals, we as Christians need to have the blood of Jesus covering us so that we are marked as one of God's children. This can only happen if we are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. In 1 Peter 3.21, it says, And this water symbolizes baptism, and now that you also, now now saves you also, not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Air also plays an important role. The air is needed to supply enough oxygen to the compost pile so that it can break down the various items that we put in it. From the Christian perspective, the air that we breathe could be the word of God. We need to apply daily the word of God to our Christian compost piles. How can we do this? 
simply by making sure that we are in constant communication with our Lord by allowing him to speak to us through his word. When Jesus is speaking in John, he says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. We can also make sure that we are communicating to him through prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says we should pray without ceasing. Without this constant communication back and forth, we could easily suffocate our lives and not continue to be transformed into the people that God wants us to be. Uh, a sure sign of our compost piles, a sure sign that our compost piles are working properly and are going through the necessary transformations is when they start to heat up. As mentioned earlier, a compost pile can reach temperatures of 150 degrees. This is done from the biological reaction to the soil, water, oxygen, and also carbon dioxide. All of these things together, all of these things together make the compost heat up. This process is inevitable. But as long as we make sure that we added a sufficient amount of each of the things previously mentioned, we can be assured that the compost pile is way on its way to being something that can improve the soil that we are adding to it. We as Christians will undoubtedly go through difficult times in our lives. These trials and temptations that will be thrown our way will either make us or break us. When things start to get hot in our lives, we may be tempted to cut off the communication with God, or as in the compost pile, the oxygen. We may also be tempted to cut ties with our Christian family or our soil. Whether it's due to embarrassment from mistakes we've made or due to trying to create more time in our lives for worldly gain, removing either of these things will by no, no, no means help us in the long run. We must rely on God and our Christian friends to help us to help and get us through the difficult times here on earth as they are only temporary. If we get sidetracked and off course, we may find some relief from discomfort here on earth, but we'll soon find that the heat from an eternity in hell will be far worse than we could ever imagine. If we are able to withstand the tribulations here on earth, James reassures us in chapter 1, verse 12, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Also in James uh, chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Uh, other things to notice about our uh, Christian compost pile, the end result should have a good aroma. Uh, it should have an earthly scent to it. Just because this is the case doesn't mean that there won't be some bad smells, though, along the way. Uh, this isn't necessarily a bad thing, though. As it reads in 2 Corinthians 2, uh, 14 through 16, Now thanks be to God, who always leads us up in triumph in, in Christ, and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one, we are the aroma of death leading to death. And to the other, we are the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? So as you can see by this verse, to some in the world, we may smell exactly like a pile of decomposing table scraps. The things that we say that are meant to teach and enrich people's lives may offend those who are in sin. Most people do not take well to criticism, especially in today's society, where if you hurt somebody's feelings, you're at risk of being canceled. To the people that are offended by the word of God, we, we as the messengers will smell like death, just, as it's, just like this verse says. On the other side of the coin, though, the people who are seeking God's teachings and heed them, we, we will smell like an aroma leading to life. Uh, we are all familiar with the parable of the sower, but let me take a second to go ahead and read it. 
Uh, I'm reading from Mark chapter 4, 2 through 9. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they writhered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still, other seed fell on the good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Uh, the seed in this parable, I think we all know, uh, is understood as God's word. And then Jesus later explains that the soil in which the seed falls is the various heart conditions of individuals who hear the word. Um, the soil in Jesus' parable is described as either good, shallow, or just non-existent. We as Christians should, improve, should be improving the soil in which the seed falls in so that it has the best chance of sprouting, taking root, and growing to its fullest p- potential. Just as compost can improve the fertility of the soil in which it's placed, so should we as Christians be improving our communities in which we live so that God's word has the best chance of taking root in people's lives. Our compost piles are just a waste of time if we create them and then just leave them laying there. Are we out in our communities acting the part of Christians? Do we have any influence in the lives of those who may be outside of Christ, such as friends or family? It is so important for us as Christians to be living our Christian lives outside of the church, outside of the church building. People in our personal lives and people in our communities need to know who we are and what we have to offer. First and foremost, we should be teaching the gospel to people, but even just being active in the lives of those who care about, uh, who we care about, or the communities that we live in can make huge impacts in our outreach. I know for us, us here at MCC, we've been trying to make our presence known more and more. Um, we've been um, participating in Fourth of July parades. Uh, we have the Monroeville Community Days. Uh, any of those things, I would highly encourage everybody to be a part of. It's, it's a lot of fun, and uh, you get to meet a lot of people. Um, and then recently, our men's group, we've uh, had the opportunity to meet with some of the police and first responders of Monroeville uh, by taking meals to them and uh, just praying with them and, and just getting to talk to them. And, and that was a very good thing uh, as well. Uh, and I know there's, there's many other things that we've been doing here lately as well. And then this, I was just talking to Jan um, this morning, and she was telling me about the, uh, there's a group of kids uh, um, a part of a school that come here and clean the church building and it's a group of kids uh, with special needs and they come here to uh, again just kind of uh, help clean in various ways and, and it's just a, a way for them to help build up their skill set in life and hopefully uh, to send them off and, and uh, help them live better lives when they get older and it's just again uh, an awesome thing and, and here Jan was telling me that uh, um, they nominated us at MCC to be one of their top places that they like to work at. And, and I was like, wow, that's, that's pretty cool, you know. And, and I just thought that was super special um, that they would do that. And, and again, that's, that's just something that the community is coming into, into here and, and, and we're having an impact. And, and who knows where that may lead down the road. Um, but uh, ultimately, we can't just stop there at being active uh, in community function events. While I think this is necessary and great to help being, bring awareness to the type of people Christians can be, 
we need to carry out the Great Commission as commanded in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. It reads, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. All of the awesome messages we hear week in and week out are great for our souls and are needed to bolster us up each bolster us up and teach us. But on a personal level, we have to put our best foot forward and go out and proclaim the good news of salvation to those who are lost. It's probably one of the hardest things to do, and I will be the first to admit that I need to better I need to be better at it, and that's part of the reason why I, I chose this topic to speak on. Uh, I really like what James has to say about being a doer of the word, and I'll finish up with this scripture, uh, James 1, 22 through 25. It says, Be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetter, is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Thank you. Evening, everybody. Yeah, this morning Dave talked about Superman. I'd be lying if I told you I'd standing up here with nerves of steel. Um, my main text today is going to be from the Book of James. Uh, but before we get to that, has anybody ever heard the term YOLO? The acronym that stands for you only live once. My message tonight's going to be, and I know we've all heard the sermons before about you got to live like tomorrow's not coming. I'm using that but twisting it. Um, YOLO is a meaning for people to justify whatever, to do whatever they want to do, whenever they want to do it, but knowing it's not the right thing to do. I know most of us here know that we need to live like there's no tomorrow. But today I'm going to utilize the time that you have now to live for tomorrow. A couple quotes um, that really stick out to me. If you've ever heard them, the first one is, Yesterday is history, tomorrow is a mystery, but today is a gift. That's why they call it the present. Another one is, Yesterday is but today's memory, and tomorrow is today's dream. And the last one is, remember, today is the tomorrow that you worried about yesterday. There's a lot of similarity between those, and the biggest one is how they're highly expressed in the Bible. Psalms 118.24 reads, This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. We need to realize there is no sense in moaning, fussing, or complaining, because most of those are just destructive and detrimental to the gifts of peace, joy, patience given to us from the Spirit. After all, if we're to follow what the Lord asked of us, who can be the light that guides others to Him when you yourself cannot stay lit? 
Do you know someone that would be interested in accompanying you to the Lord's service when you as a believer are so dissatisfied with life that you continually grumble and complain? Those that are outside of Christ need to be taught by those of us in Christ that God uses scriptures like Philippians 4, 6, and 7 and Psalm 16, 8 to tell us, Remember, my child, I've got this. Put your trust in me and I'll get you through your trials and your tribulations. Now the main text that I'm focusing on is in James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. So if you'd like, let's turn and read together. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go there to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. Focusing on these couple, scripture, these couple scriptures, um, just to go back to verse 13 again, it says, Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, Spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Let me put this into perspective for you. I'm going to pick on somebody for a moment. I'm going to use Josh just because. So, if I told you, let's, I want you to call off tomorrow. We're going to be alive and in good health. Death will pass us by. The weather will be good. We're going to travel, not meet an accident. We'll find affordable lodging wherever we end up. No hazard will hinder our stay, and wealth will be plentiful. That sounds delightful, doesn't it? Okay. What are we missing, though? We're missing the will of God. There's no problem with planning for the future, but failing to consider the will of God in your planning is a major problem. We have a Savior who freed us from sin. The least we can do is consider His will in our daily planning. Moving on to verse 14, we, we read that you do not even know what tomorrow brings. You are but a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. The imagery you can pull from words is incredible, especially here. What comes to mind when I hear this is that moment when you step outside on a cold, fresh morning and you see your breath for just a moment and then it's gone. That's how we need to treat life. The Lord is telling us that we need to treat life in the same manner. Back in Matthew chapter 6, the uncertainty of tomorrow was addressed by Jesus. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And despite the preference of men to contradict this subject, there is nothing written that surpasses the power behind the words of Christ Jesus. In Hebrews 13.8, it is written, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus came to earth to bear our sins, to bear our iniquities, and he had them nailed to the cross so that we didn't have to worry about tomorrow. We had a life set forth that was full of pain, suffering, and anguish, but because of the sacrifice of Jesus, we have the hope of eternal life. There should, be a, there should have been enough said by this point, but God didn't think so. He gave us verse 15, where we hear the expression, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. This phrase is found numerous times in the New Testament, 
And if I can, I have a few scriptures um, for volunteers. First one is Acts 18, 20 and 21. Acts 21:14 1 Corinthians 4:19 and 20 Okay. And then the last one is 1 Corinthians 16:7. Okay. All right. First one is Acts 18, 20 and 21. Okay. Then Acts twenty one fourteen. When he would not be persuaded, he gave up and said, The Lord's will be done. First Corinthians four, nineteen and twenty. And then the last one is 1 Corinthians 16, 7. And then I'm going to finish up with Hebrews 6, 3. And God permitting, we will do so. Out of all those scriptures, we hear, if it is the Lord's will, in different ways. But... That needs to be said in a way of sincerity and honor, not in an absent or mocking manner like we hear today. If you read the Bible, you come to understand that the Word of God frequently tells us of our evident obligations. What seems to be a frequent problem is that we tell ourselves excuses to try and justify our sins. In and of itself, it's never an issue to plan your future. But due to, us no, due to none of us knowing what the future holds, our issue lies with making plans and not including the will of God in any way, shape, or form. So let's do that today. Let's plan to live for God. Jesus often spoke in parables, so I tried to come up with one myself. That's a lot harder than you think it is. Uh, I was going to pick on somebody else, but we'll let that one go. Just think of the idea of building a new house. The most important thing that you need to get started are plans or a layout, blueprint. So on one hand, we have the architect whose design is completely perfect for us. He draws it up, his plan becomes real, we follow it to a T and we get to live happily ever after. But on another hand, we have the same architect who designs a layout, but because we don't like some of the details with it, we decide to ignore him and do it our way. Which one sounds better to you? In each scenario, the architect is God. Plans are given in the form of the Bible, and the differences lie with following his word as the perfect design, or choosing to ignore what he planned to have our life lived out. Now, I'm not going to stand here and tell you how to live your life, but here's a spoiler alert. Choosing to ignore God or his plan is going to lead to more problems when the storms of life come through. God is the best architect. His word and his plan are flawless. I want to share with a I want to share a personal story, and this is going to be hard for me, so bear with me. Growing up, two of my cousins used to come over my house all the time. We grew up, we became brothers. We weren't cousins. 
One passed away back in 2016. His life was not a righteous one. There was multiple times he was entangled in Satan's ways. I believe that if I showed him I wasn't going to give up on him, he would see there's reasons to turn his life around. After he was cleaning up his mistakes, he attempted to better himself. He got a job. He got into a good relationship. He even had a son. One night, I realized that he stole from me to get money for his bad habits. When I found out it was him, I couldn't be more upset, frustrated. I hated him. But here, while I was looking to teach him a lesson, he decided to write me a letter apologizing in every way he could. When given the opportunity face-to-face, -face, he came up to my house one day. We talked for a bit before work. I told him I forgave him, but he had to earn my trust back. I went to work that day, came home, and he left us. He didn't have time to fix himself with the Lord. I lost a brother in a matter of a few hours. I asked myself multiple times, what if I had a better conversation with him before I left that day? What if he felt like he lost the one person who wouldn't give up on him? And though most would agree that you can't get answers to those questions, God has once again worked in only a way he can. I came to realize I was asking the wrong questions. This was an opportunity to talk with God and how, and I can ask him how to be an effective Christian and help those in similar situations to help them find a path of righteousness. This opened my eyes to reality that we all live one event away from eternity. Before we conclude our time together, I just want to remind you guys, 1 Peter 2.15 reads, this, For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Sorry. We were not asked to recruit an army. We were asked to go and make disciples. And though we may fail many times, we are not failures until we give up. I challenge each of you here, as you leave here, to converse with someone you may not talk to much and let them know how much they mean to you. Tell them of the good news that can save them, that gave them the same hope that you have here today. You can't know if this is the last time you will see each other. Don't ever let someone leave on a casual goodbye. Let them leave so that if God wills the next time for you to talk, or if he wills the next time for you to see them, it's a refreshing moment to be with a brother or sister in Christ. Life is too short. It can disappear like a vapor that appears for a short time. We are all one event away from eternity. So when we plan, it needs to be in reference to the will of God first. Then and only then can we boast about tomorrow. Because whether we wake up here or God calls us home, we have the best future laid out for us. Thank you. Let's uh, thank these men for being willing to do that tonight. I, for one, very appreciative of the time and effort that they put into it. And it's a, it's a great blessing to have so many men that are willing to do it. There, 
churches all over the country that are struggling just to find men to lead, just to, just to have men to, to do something in the congregation. And here we have numerous men that are faithful, uh, strong leaders, strong qualities, want to learn, want to do more, want to preach, and uh, it's a, a blessing that we have that. Encourage them. Uh, we'll get them back up here, I'm sure, again soon, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully it didn't... Uh, we didn't scar them, <laughs> but we're, we're hoping that they'll do it again. We, we uh, love having that happen. Uh, if you would, please stand, and we're going to offer an invitation time as we do every service. If there is someone here uh, that needs to make that decision to become a Christian, if you believe in, in Christ, uh, you're willing to uh, repent of sin, you're willing to confess Christ before others and to submit to being immersed into Christ for the forgiveness of your sin, and the gift of the Holy Spirit as we see uh, in all the conversions in the book of Acts. Uh, we're going to offer that opportunity tonight. It's not the only time you can do it. Uh, there's always time to study. And most of the time when people are immersed, they do it during the week uh, with us after studying and finding out more about what the Bible has to say about becoming a Christian. Uh, we, uh, we do want to offer that time now, though, as we close our service.